Well, I don't know uh, how many of you uh, get the magazine called The Voice of the Martyrs, um, but uh, in fact, we just had someone, a representative from The Voice of the Martyrs, who was here, I guess, a couple of months ago, so, so some of you may have seen that, but, but basically it's a magazine that describes the struggle of many believers around the world, and especially, specifically, it's talking about persecution that people face because they've chosen to trust in Jesus Christ. By the way, it's important that we keep up with that. Uh, many of you have been uh, have signed the petition, I'm sure, for what we just put on Facebook. Pastor Saeed in Iran, who is uh, being held because he's a pastor and because he loves Jesus, and he's basically been given a death penalty. And there's Christians all over the world praying. Thank God for that. Amen? Tonight, we are free to worship God, but in many countries, many people are not. But when I received the most recent issue of the Voice of the Martyrs magazine, it talked about how the tactic of torturers many times is to isolate people. They'll take someone and they'll put them in a cell where they can have no conversation, no interaction with other people, no music, no books, anything like that, nothing but at the best, the weather or the insects or maybe just counting the blocks in their cells. And many people, many Christians, many believers spend years in those kind of situations. In our normal daily lives, it's easy for us to begin focusing on ourselves. It seems right. It comes natural to us. But it actually ends up being very empty, doesn't it? When we focus on ourselves, it becomes very destructive. And even people who would seek to torture other people know that we were created for relationship. We were created to be connected, to be in partnership with other people. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about in our new series called I'm In. You can count on me as a partner in doing God's work, church family. What we're saying is, I realize that I need to be a part of something bigger than myself. Would you say amen to that? I realize that I need to be a part of a bigger effort than just my little world. And I realize that God has put us together in a family to work together with Him and with each other to do His work in this world. And last time we talked about what I believe is probably the most important of those things that we can command. I hope God spoke to your heart this week about that. I hope you're praying about how, if you're not already, and thank God if you are, but if you're not already, I hope that you, you ask God, God, how can I be a partner with my church family to make sure I can't do everything, but I can pray for something? I hope you've been thinking about that over this last week. But tonight we're going to talk about the second one. Tonight we're going to make this statement to one another, hopefully. Pastor Robbie, church family, I'm in. You can count on me. Here's what we're going to do together. I am saying tonight that I serve. Let's look at that together in God's Word. And the first thing I want to look at is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And I want to make this statement, I want us to think about it together as we start that out. First of all, the Bible teaches us that following Jesus means serving others rather than serving ourselves. Let's look at Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. 
Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, these verses, some of you may recognize, are set in a larger context of some very, very amazing verses that tell us uh, who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. And we're not going to be able to dig into all of them tonight, but here's what this part is saying. In verse 3, the Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul writes as God's servant, it says, do nothing... And actually, that can be translated, listen, do not one thing. That made it powerful for me. Do not one thing from selfishness. Do not one thing from a desire to put yourself over others. And this word that was used here was a word that they would use for... Anybody ever notice how politicians like to step on each other to make themselves look better? Okay, so it's kind of like we're in a debate, and so I have to put you down so that I can make myself look better. Well, that's what the idea here is, okay? We're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to to desire to further myself by going over other people. He says, do nothing from that, not one thing from that. Do not one thing from empty conceit. Now, that word literally means an overinflated view of self that's not based on fact. Now, that was just kind of a nice big way of putting, you think you're all that and you're not, is what it's kind of, right? That's kind of what empty conceit basically means. I think I'm something and it's not based on reality, okay? And, and maybe in the context of what we're talking about is, is, is basically making ourselves more important than we ought to, okay? So the Bible says I should not do that. But instead, with humility, I should regard other people. Now, God's just giving a straight out teaching here. Don't think of yourselves in a self-focused kind of way, but instead with humility, I should be thinking about you guys, and you guys should be thinking about me as more important or superior to ourselves. Now, someone that says, this does not mean you think less of yourself. It means you think of yourself less. That's what it's talking about. In verses 4 and 5, it's pretty self-explanatory. He just comes out and says, says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but be thinking about the interests of others. And by the way, who else had that kind of attitude? Verse 5 says, If you want the mind of Christ, if you want to think like Jesus Christ thinks, if you are a follower of Jesus, that's the way God thinks. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Now let's be honest for just a minute. This way of thinking does not immediately feel like or strike us as truly the best way to live. Amen? I mean, I'm just being honest. In fact, I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. Today, me, Robbie, right now, if I had my choice, I'd rather be fishing than preaching. I'm just going to be honest with you. Maybe not right now because it's dark outside, okay? But I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm pretty good at fishing. And I think if I go enough, I'll catch some fish. And if I go enough, I think I'm going to catch some pretty decent ones. And I just start thinking about, man, they're out there. And they're just calling my name. And it gets my blood pumping thinking about it. I might just leave here in just a minute. And you guys say, man, you're kind of weird about that. Well, you got your thing, okay. Whatever gets your blood pumping. And to be honest with you, and I'm being, I'm being honest with you, 
I can actually experience worship doing it. I can be fishing. I can look at God's creation. I can say, look at that big one. I mean, I'm just like, thank you, Lord. Doesn't happen very often, but when it does, man, I have a praise. Amen? Now, compare that with preaching. Preaching is inside instead of outside. I prefer outside. Now, preaching, now, I don't dress up super nice, but I, I guarantee you I dressed up for you guys more than I would dress up for the fish. And on any given day, does anybody feel my pain? I'm not just dying to stand up in front of a bunch of people and talk about anything. I mean, I didn't just wake up this morning and say, I'd just love to stand up here and talk to a bunch of people. Does anybody want to do that? And I may do all of that and never see any results. Isn't that true? I could go through all that effort, and, but unlike fishing, I believe I could see some. I believe I could catch some. But I may preach and never see any results. So initially, again, I'm just being honest. Initially, and I think if you were honest, you'd say the same thing. At first glance, that idea that serving others is better for me, it sounds nice. And it's probably what we should say. But I don't know if I really think it's true. But here's what I found. Longer term, I've seen some major benefits from preaching and serving God over doing what I wanted to do. Amen? First of all, the great joy in obeying God's command. Amen? Isn't there, isn't there blessing to obedience? When God calls you to do something, and you do, even if I don't see results, if I just know that God told me to do something and I did it, doesn't that bring great joy? And, and, and don't you just see a smile on his face of here's my son and I, I told him to do something and he did what I told him to do. Isn't that great? There's great blessing from that. And by the way, like I said, there would be blessing if I never saw results, but I have seen results. I have seen people's lives changed as a result of God working through my life. Praise his name, Amen. Praise the Lord that I get to see people that their lives are changing as a result of that choice. And by the way, it's not just them. I'm seeing changes in my life as a result of that choice. And here's what I mean by that. Because I have chosen to obey God and to live His way, just that mindset, just that value system of saying, I want to make God a priority, that has had a ripple effect in other areas of my life as well. Bible affirms there is great joy in seeing all of those things in your life. There's great joy in obeying the Lord. There's great joy in seeing Him touch others. There's great joy in you doing the right thing and seeing that overall impact in your life. And there's much more joy in that than there is in living a life that is focused on myself. And I think if we're really honest, we would all say, you know, I kind of got there too. Amen? Or maybe some of you would say, I'm kind of getting there. You know, I've been really trying to have my feel of that thing that I really love, but it just seems so what? It seems so empty, doesn't it? It seems like I can never get enough. It just doesn't fill that void. Okay, so we're talking about serving, and that's the first thing. The first thing is 
That's what following Jesus is all about. And it's a better way to live our lives. But the second thing the Bible says is this. All of us have gifts. And the Bible says we should use them. Let me read 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter 4, 10 says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, let's just walk through that verse together here. It says, as each one... Okay, follow every piece of that verse. As each one... That sounds like, and this is, this is being written to believers, so the Bible says that every believer has been uniquely gifted by God. Okay? Specifically here, he's talking about spiritual gifts. But he says, as each one of us has received a special gift, therefore, he says, we should employ it, we should put it to work in serving, and actually, that word is literally the word for ministering. We should put it to work in ministry, in serving one another. I like that aspect, because that kind of describes the what of it, the give and take. Amen? Amen? I serve you, you serve me, and who gets blessed? Everybody does. Amen? Employ it. Take your gift, start using it, serve in the lives of others, minister to one another, and do this. Why would I do that? Because I want to be a good steward of the manifold grace of God. Now, that's a long phrase, so let's just track it down. It says, it's really talking about the grace of God. The grace of God is incredible. Amen? Okay, the Bible says, I came to God by grace. God gives me amazing blessings that I don't deserve. Amen? Okay, I came to God by that grace, but the Bible also teaches, and many Christians miss this, we've been talking about it in base camp right down Galatians 3, 3, okay? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected basically by your own efforts? And the Bible says, no. No, I don't just begin by grace, I do what? I continue in grace. And I thank God that we have a church family where grace is abounding, and I hope it continues to abound because I need a lot of it, Amen. I love to see you guys and how your lives are changing because of the grace that God is pouring out on our lives. Okay, so the Bible says God's grace is manifold. It is multifaceted. Isn't that true? There are lots of aspects to it. Okay, so he says God is doing this amazing work in our lives and let's be good stewards of that. It's basically a manager is the way we would describe it today. But actually the word that he uses there, it was a household manager. It was actually, uh, it was a specific thing he was talking about where this was a person who was given responsibility to manage the affairs of someone else. That's a pretty important job, isn't it? God said, I gave you some responsibilities and one day I'm going to come back. I want the world to see me. Right now, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So what God's saying is He wants the world to see Himself. And listen, don't miss this. He has placed on each person in this body some aspect of who He is that He wants the world to see. Be a good manager of that. That's what it's saying. That's exactly what that verse is talking about. Don't waste it. might be the negative way we would put it. Okay, so it's pretty clear, isn't it? Use what God has given you. 
Now, specifically here, I believe it's talking about spiritual gifts, but we could also include that anything God's given you, natural abilities, talents, your personality, how God's wired you. Don't we all have different passions? Some of you are like, why are you, why are you talking about fishing? I could care less about fishing. Well, I could probably care less about what you do. I don't like what you do. You don't like what I do, but I can use what I do, and you can use what you do, and God is glorified. Amen? Use it all. Don't waste what the Lord has given you. Use it to serve the Lord. By the way, a couple of other things that show up in that 1 Peter chapter 10. Let's read verses 11 and 12. It says, Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. You're supposed to speak as on behalf of God, as if God were speaking through you. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs, here's one of those drum things, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's what he does in that verse. So what he's saying in that passage, he says, okay, do this, but just a reminder, rely upon God's strength and not your own. Don't try to do it in your own strength. And also, he brings out who's supposed to be glorified through it. If we all do this, everybody ought to say, what a great God. You know, I, I've shared with you before, you guys are such a blessing to me. And, and I hear from other people encouraging people who are doing ministry and praise the Lord for that. But many times when people say, hey, Pastor Robbie, I appreciate what God's doing in my life through you. And many try, times I'll say, praise the Lord. You know, thank the Lord that God's using me. He say, oh, I know that God does it, but... You know, and you think that, that someone's trying to, you know, not um, maybe accept uh, some encouragement. Well, here's what I would say. It is certainly biblical to encourage other people for how God has used them in your life. But we always need to remember that it's God working through that person. Amen? And so many times, here's what I say. I'll say to someone, I thank God for how he's working in my life through you. You see? So I can say, I appreciate you. I appreciate you responding to how God has called you, and I thank the Lord that I recognize that it's him that's working in my life, ultimately, to give me those blessings. The Bible says that all of us, every person in this room who's put their trust in Jesus Christ, have gifts, and we should use them to serve in God's family. Now, I've got to be honest with you for just a moment. And, and I want to say this gently. But though New Hope has been characterized by some amazing servants, and still is, praise God for many who are serving, I am slightly concerned that I'm not sure everyone is using what God has given us. And if that is true... If it is true that maybe some of us are not serving, not laying ourselves out there and letting God using us in that kind of a way, let me share with you why I find that that happens sometimes. And you ask God if maybe this is your life. Many times I find that people are just getting started in their walk with the Lord. And so here's what many people say. You know what? I'm just too inexperienced. I, I don't see how God could use me. In some, I need to get some more experience before I can let God use me. But then you know what? I talk to the people who are more experienced. And people who are more experienced say, in fact, sometimes God brings people to us who've gotten experience in other churches, and they would say, man, I've been in another church, and I'm just so tired, you know. I'm just ready to come here and rest. Okay. Maybe you've been at New Hope for a while. 
And you say, I'm a little worn out. I just want to say this to you. It shouldn't have happened. We honestly, your pastors try very hard and ministry leaders try very hard. I say all the time, we don't want anybody to die doing this deal. Amen? We are trying our best not to wear anybody out. But if it is true that someone's worn out, let us know. Let, listen, it's okay to take a time out sometimes, right? But look, look, there's a difference between time out and retirement. <laughs> Amen? I went to a basketball game this afternoon, and they took some time outs. They took a breather. And then they did what? They got back in the game. Now, it may be the same thing you were doing before. It may be a different ministry, but I didn't see anybody, those little you know, high school boys said, I need to retire, I'm done. You know what? Sometimes people have just been through a, a tragedy. Sometimes people have been through a crisis. And you know what? There are times in our lives where it is very difficult for us to help others because we really need to receive some ministry. Amen? And I hope if you've been around here for very long, you can ask people who've been through those times in their lives. This is what we say to people. Listen, you need to, you need to take a break from pouring out and let us minister to you. We, we need to allow the Lord to focus on helping you to build back up. Now, pr praise the Lord, at some point, we need to be careful because at some point, part of the recovery process is getting reengaged. Amen? So we work together with people. So as, as your pastors, as ministry leaders, let's keep an eye. Let's watch this. Let's make sure you're building back up that it's not wrong to ask you to get engaged in pouring out to others. But then at some point that it can become a part of your healing process to get back in that game. If this church has been a blessing for you, it's because others have served the Lord. If it continues to be a blessing to others to come, do you see that? Do you believe in the years ahead God's going to bring us more people? Lord willing, if that's going to happen, it's going to be because you and I join those people who've served in the past. If this amazing work that God is doing is going to move forward, it won't be because we're a full-service church. It'll be because we're a church full of servants. Amen? Amen. Now, along those lines, you also need to know this. It's just not the same without you. Write down 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 again. You remember I just read that verse? It said, but, each, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for the good of all. I think sometimes we see the church as so organizational. We just see it in that kind of a way. And so here's how, you know, it, it sort of comes across. There's this organization, and it's an organization for God. And, and, I, and I hear that they need some others to get involved, and I really should contribute something. So, okay, what should I do? Well, to some extent, it's not a bad idea to think I'm receiving, so I should contribute. But listen, let's go a step further. We should think of it like this. Are you listening? Don't miss this. We are the body of Christ in Queensbury, New York. Is our community seeing Jesus in all his splendor? And I can say this. If you are not involved in the ministry, the answer is no. Did you hear that? 
We are the body of Christ. We're part of the body. There's other bodies of Christ in this community, but we're part of the body. We can't take care of everybody. We've got to take care of this body, right? Okay, so this body of Christ, Christ wants this community to see himself. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 said it, right? But to each one is given a manifestation, a showing of the Spirit, a demonstration. God's trying to show himself to the world so that lots of people, so that everybody is blessed. And actually, it took me, it was a tough time to pick out 1 Corinthians 12, 7, because I can give you several more verses. Write down verse 11. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Okay? So it's kind of like this. Okay, we're giving out spiritual gifts tonight. Glad you came tonight. Everybody line up down front. The Holy Spirit's here. He's going to be picking. He's got his big, you know, bag. And he's going to say, okay, you're getting this. Okay, next. And you're getting this. That's what happens. The Holy Spirit decides, I want to show myself to the world. And I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you something. And when all are, are being used... Everybody's going to see me. Verse 14, it says, For the body is not one member, but many. Isn't that true? Now, when we think of member, we're thinking of like church member. And maybe that's where, I don't know, I haven't tracked that down. Maybe where, that's, where, where that um, terminology came from. But really, maybe the best thing would not be member, but body part. Okay, that's what it's talking about. It says, For the body is not one body part, but many body parts. Then look at verse 19. If they were all one member... If they were all one body part, where would the body be? If it was just one body part working, where would the rest of the body be? You wouldn't see it, would you? Uh, Verses uh, 29 through 30. It says, all are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not give... Uh, have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? It's very clear in that passage... Not everyone has every gift. We all have different spiritual gifts. And it's very clear in these verses that God does that. And when you and I get involved in serving Him, that He works through me and He works through you, my part is critical and your part is critical. Look at verses 14 through 17. This for the body is not one part, but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. It is not for this reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, it'd be gross, wouldn't it? That's not what it says right here, but it would, though. If, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? What the Bible says is that you are critical and I am critical and we both need to be in the body of Christ and we both need to be operating in the function that God has given us. Listen, if you are not in the role that God has given you, you will feel out of place. You are not fulfilling your creative function. Listen, tonight, I know it's gross. But I mean, this is, what, this is the Bible, okay? I'm just, I'm just trying to follow it out. If we took an eyeball and set it up here on the stage. Gross. Good grief. Man, I just had supper. I wish y'all had told me if we were going to have nasty things like that at church. Amen? Well, guess what? There's been an eyeball up here on the stage the whole time. There's been two of them right here. Hopefully in the right spot. 
they do some pretty cool things. Amen? But in the wrong spot, that's gross. That is way out of place. Not only will that body part feel out of place, but also the body will be crippled. If I was up here tonight and I was preaching and I decided to set my left eye out on that side, my right eye on that side, I'd have a difficult time reading the Bible. Amen? And it would just look weird. The main point here is that the body of Christ is not the same. Listen, y'all think I'm making this stuff up? It was in your Bible the whole time. (laughs) Have y'all not read this? Some of you maybe have never heard this, but some of you have. But you're like, you're like, this is new or something. It's right here. The Bible says that every part of the body, and one of the best illustrations I thought of is like a college marching band. Okay? All right? You're watching college football, and they come on half. I never watch it. But, you know, the, I see when I'm turning, you know, when I go get something to drink, come back or whatever, I see they've got the college marching, you know, and they're doing the thing. And a lot of times they'll do the name of the school or something cool or whatever. And so all these people are coordinating to do this routine, right? There are some critical areas of that routine that if they don't have certain people, we're not going to be able to pull this off, right? And then there's other parts that, I mean, they can do it. It's just, you know, the I won't look like an I, it looks like an L, but we can kind of figure out they meant I, right? If it's Ohio, it looks like Olo. But but we can figure out. We can figure out that there's, they sort of accomplished the purpose, but it just looked a little strange, right? Isn't that true? So they can pull it off, but it's just not quite what it could have been. You know, it's the same in God's work. Do we want that to be said about God's work? That there are some things that just can't be done because the body's not working. Are there some things, you know, we can pull it off, but it just kind of looks a little strange. In fact, if you think about it, isn't that what the world says about God's people? We look kind of crippled. We look kind of weird because we don't do this very well. Maybe this is part of it. And and, and I thought about this, you know, well, the the marching band thing, I mean, that's good and everything. It kind of helps me think about it in terms of a beauty kind of way. It could have been a better program if they had had, you know, all the pieces in place. But it's actually... That kind of makes it sound optional. Like, I might want to be in the marching band, or I might not, and I might want it to look good for Ohio, or I might not. But, but actually, I thought about it. It's more like an aircraft carrier. I wonder how many people in the aircraft carrier, they say, you know, we're not going to really need that person. You know, we can get by without that role. Aren't we in a little bit more of that kind of thing? Aren't we in a, a battle? Not with people, we learned it basically, not with people, but there's a spiritual battle going on, and the stakes are high. It's like eternity, and it's like God's best in people's lives to experience here on this earth. So it's not like, hey, we wanted to, you know, it's halftime of the game, we just wanted it to be a cool show. It's not like that, actually. It's actually more like people might go to heaven or not over this. Friend, you need to know something. The great Lord of the church knows what he is doing in this church. Now listen, somebody shared this with me years ago and it really just transformed my thinking on this. Okay, now think about this. God knows what he's doing in this church family. 
And he knows what he wants to do through us together. Do you think the great Lord of the church knows how to direct all of the right people to just the right place together? And if you think about it that way, then whatever it is that you bring to God's work, nobody else can bring it in this place. And without you, it won't be the same. I mean, we might can pull it off, or maybe not. Maybe we'll have to do without something for a decision that's made like that. But I don't know about you, but that just transformed my thinking of, you know what, I matter. I make a contribution, and it's critical, and it's unique, and, and I'm a part. Amen? Someone said God can do it all by himself. But I don't really see him do that many times. Really, do you? Usually, he works through someone to do it. Amen? You know, sadly, we kind of joked about that to body part thing, but sadly, many Christians are like loose body parts running around. And because of that, we don't feel right. And because of that, the body of Christ is not seen in all its beauty here on this earth. But I want to challenge you. If God has blessed you, get involved. Partner together with us in a work bigger than yourself. Amen? And see God do something in this world that you would have never seen except you partner together with brothers and sisters who are different than you. But God knew you need to be in the link and God knew I need to be in the link. And when we link up together, some amazing things happen. Tonight, if God is going to continue to work mightily through this church family, it's going to take a church family full of people saying, you can count on me. I'm in. I will serve the Lord in this place. You bow with me? Father, tonight, in some regard, I almost feel like what we'll feel like in heaven one day, standing here at this point right now. Because we're standing on the shoulders of others who made some really good decisions in the years past that allowed us to be where we are right now. What a great thing to think about. People who've gone before us who helped us get a little bit higher. Father, I pray that we would realize that one day we'll be in heaven and there will be others that either will or will not be able to say the same about us. Father, you know how prone we are to focus on ourselves. And you've said in your word that that's just not the way to find your purpose. Father, I thank you that you love each one in this room and you've got a plan for their life. But I pray that you would teach us that this is how we get there. And Lord, I pray that as we respond to your call, that you'll continue to show yourself strong in a world that needs you. And Lord, I even pray tonight, if there's someone here that does not yet know you as their Savior, 
Maybe they came to base camp this week and you've been speaking to their hearts. Father, maybe someone's been sharing with them at work and they came to church for the first time tonight. I pray that their hearts begin to beat fast because they sense that they're supposed to be part of something bigger. And they didn't know what, but they thought that you were involved in some way. And they came to church. And God, you're just blowing them away that you're speaking to their heart. This is the answer you've been looking for. And I pray that just like many who've shared with us over the last few weeks, Lord, that they would just say, Dear Jesus, we just pray that prayer of salvation and just say, Dear Jesus, I love you. And I thank you that you first loved me. And I give my life to you. I surrender. And I invite you to come into my heart and wash my sins away and be my Savior. And God, I don't see how I could make a contribution that can make a difference with anybody else. But Father, if this is true, would you use my life to help someone else? Thank you for saving me. Heavenly Father, I pray in these next few moments that you'll just have your freedom to move in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen.